0: For the sake of time, I'm going to just paraphrase some of the scriptures, because I have a lot of heavy scriptures. Because here's the cool thing. When my mom and dad started the church, they founded the church, and they called it Upper Room Faith Assembly. And it became, uh, later on, Upper Room Worship Center. We just, we just felt like Faith Assembly wasn't really welcoming. And it was just kind of, I'll just be really honest with you, old school. So we're like, we just constantly want to be innovative. Uh, so we came up with a really catchy thing, Worship Center. Which now, like every church on the planet, it's called something worship center. So, so anyway, we were really creative in that. Um, but here's the deal. It was really founded on, on a lot of the principles of Acts in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And, and it's a good, good, good prototype. It's God's really first ordained church after he had left his spirit with us. But then I started doing research, and it's like, that's not the only thing I want to be known for. I don't want to just be known as the fire and the Pentecostal church and these things because we're independent, we're non-denominational. So I began to do these word studies and just looking at what is upper room. And I began to find all throughout the entire Bible, all these instances and mentions of the upper room. So then I began to pray, I'm like, God, what, what are you calling us to be? So I just go through several of these, not all of them that I found, but several that just really spoke out to me. So I'm just going to run you through them and this is what we want to be. We want to be a place that is known for all the reasons that people in the Bible went to an upper room, right? So just join me with on this journey for just a few minutes. And the first one is 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 Ehud. Ehud, he um he's mentioned in Judges three, and and Ehud. If you remember, he was a left-handed man, and he kept his sword on his right hip. You guys know Ehud. I'm gonna help you out here for just a second. So. Anyway, God promises them that the Israelites are going to, to, to basically win this battle. So he goes into this place and he goes into uh, builds a relationship with a king, and the king's name was Eglon. Okay? And, and he goes into this place called the upper room. And in another version later in the verse it calls an upper cooling chamber. So so but here's the deal: here's what happens in the upper room, then we'll start reading, and I'll tell you what I get from it. He goes in the upper room, they shut the doors. He has this strategic plan, and he has this vision of how to win a battle. And what he does is he puts that sword in, in Eglon, in the king, and he twists, and he kills the king, and he shuts all the doors up, locks it, sneaks out. And he goes, and here's where we pick up. So, so basically, the servants of the king says this, and I'm just going to start uh, Judges three, somewhere about midway, maybe twenty-five or so, and it says he is probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. So they waited till they were embarrassed, and still he had to open the doors uh, of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them, and there was the master fallen dead on the floor. But he had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and an escaped to Syra. And it had happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. And then he said to them, follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan, leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at the time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor, not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. And here's what I get. That battle was won in an upper room by Ehud. So this is a place of victory. This is a place where battles are won here before we ever even face them out there. The other thing is, it's a place of risk. Ehud went into this place and, and not knowing what was going to happen, he knew that God had given him a word, but still that's a place of risk. We want to be a place of risk where people can be activated, and if you fail, we still celebrate your failure. If you mess up and you totally miss the mark, you still want to celebrate. If Dustin's up here doing the ark and that thing looks hideous afterwards, which by the way, it doesn't. It looks amazing. But if it was horrible, I would compliment that and say, Dustin, that is the best artwork done here in this church today. Right? So anyway, but it's also a place of comfort. It was the cooling chamber. It was a place of meeting. This is a place where they went for comfort. So that's one thing. Moving on. And Elijah in 2 Kings 4.11 says, One day Elijah returned to Shunem and he went up to this upper room to rest. It should be a place of rest, rest. A place of peace. And if there's a place you can rest, you automatically have peace and comfort and safety there. So this is a place of rest. Moving on to 1 Kings 17. It says, But Elijah 17, I'm going to go 19 through 23. And I'm cruising through these because I just want to prove to you what the upper room is and then where we're headed. Are you good with that? Just a few more minutes, but there's this heavy scriptures. It's a lot of it. But Elijah replied, 17:19. Give me your son, and he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up to the stairs to the room where he had been staying. Everybody say upper room. Upstairs to the room he had been staying and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me? The upper room is a place that's a home. This is a place where this lady opened up her home to Elijah, a place of rest, a place. So this is home. So many people feel rejected and denied at their own homes. So we become a place of rest, a place of home, a place of family. And he stretched himself over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. We want this place to be a place where the dead come to life. The dead come to life. Dead things are gone, right? And new things come alive. Your old is gone, the trespasses are gone, and we come to life. This is a place of miracles. Yes. Amen. We believe that God's same yesterday, today, and forever. His Bible talks about miracles. His Bible talks about raising the dead to life. And we still believe that today. We still believe that. So it's a place of miracles, a place of home, and a place where the dead come to life. Next is found in 2 Chronicles 3:9. And this is where Solomon was rebuilding the temple. <laughs> And it talks about this upper room and it talks about the makeup of this upper room. And it says the gold nails that were used were 20 ounces each. Then it says this. He also overlaid the walls of the upper rooms with gold. First off, he's in a place where he's rebuilding the temple. So this is a place of Restoration. This is a place of reconciliation. This is a place not only between you and God, the Father, as he brings his children back in covenant with him, but also a place where families are restored. Forgiveness and unforgiveness is restored, right? as things are forgiven. Things are moved along, so it's a place of restoration. The other thing is, this was a place of safety. This room is where they actually kept the expensive and the valuable things of the offerings. They kept the gold and the, and the things that were brought into the tabernacle. This is where they stored them. And this was a place that was valuable because it was storing valuables. That's you. You're valuable. This is a place of value because you're in it. And you're valuable to the kingdom. You're valuable to God. And you're valuable to us. So this is a place of value. It's a place of royalty where we know the spirit of adoption. We know our dad is the king of kings. We know we are sons with inheritance to a kingdom, an inheritance of heaven, an inheritance with with everything that God has to offer in heaven and on earth. He's given us authority over. So it's a place of royalty. Next, Daniel in 610. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, or another version, upper room. With his windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. This is a house of prayer. We believe that just like Moses, when he petitioned to God to save the Israelites, he changed God's mind. We believe that prayer still works today. Amen. We believe that God hears our prayers. Yeah. We believe that a fervent prayer of righteousness avails much. We believe in prayer. Amen. That's not dying. That's not diminishing. And this is a house of prayer. Moving on, we go to Acts 9. Am I going too fast for anybody? Yeah. Good. Good. Acts 9. Now there was Joppa, a disciple named Tabitha was translated in Dorcas. She was full. This is, by the way, Acts 9, 36 through 42. She was full of good works. I'm going to stop right there. This is a place where actually females can be activated. We've got females preaching here. Amen. And I believe this. My wife carries the same Republic more anointing than I carry. Amen. Right. Amen. Come on. You guys have been quenched long enough. Huh? All the ladies should be going nuts in this place. Amen. You guys have been discriminated, looked down upon, and never handed a mic in so many churches because of your gender. But yet, you see, Tabitha, one of the disciples of God, one of the disciples who possibly even took Judas's spot or something, but along that line became Tabitha a woman full of good works and acts of charity. So here, here she is full of God. All the ladies say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> In those days, she became ill and died. Oh boy. We're going to get past that in just a second. <laughs> You're anointed. You're going to be used. And then you die. <laughs> and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose. And went with them and when he arrived they took him to the upper room all the widows stood beside him weeping and shunning tunics and other garments that dorcas made while she was with them but peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body he said tabitha arise and she opened up her eyes see there's good news there's good news in every one of god's swords right every problem is a provision and every issue in the old testament jesus is the answer in the new testament forever to come so anyway, it says, and, the, the, uh, eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and wi- widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So this is a place of miracles, life, and salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, from that miracle brought glory to God was a testimony that then brought others to know the goodness of God and brought them to the Lord. Place <laughs> of salvation. Okay, moving on. Acts 20, 8 through 11. There's only a couple more. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. I just love that chuckle. Okay, Acts 20, 8 through 11. It says there were many lamps in the upper room. We are a light put on a lampstand. Amen. We are a lamp. Put out for the community and for the goodness of God to be shown everywhere around us to everyone around us, right? So the upper room was full of these lampstands. We're sitting on a hill. Yes? We're full of the light of God. And a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, by the way. Some of you can totally relate as me as the preacher, generally, right? So Paul, he's just going and going and going and going. He's preaching so long. So just keeps going. He doesn't shut up, right? So then you got this guy sitting at the window. And here's what happens. He sank into a deep sleep as Paul talks still longer. That's why I always have to do fist bumps. Punch somebody. gives me a chance to get a drink. Wakes you up. All right. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Paul literally killed somebody by being so long-winded. I am being convicted right now. All right? I promise you'll call. Anyway, but Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread, so he went back up to the upper room. He, he was raised from the dead. He went back up to the room and had broken bread and eaten. And he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. Listen, we're a place of light. We're a place of teaching. Good teaching, right? It's in the Bible we preach, and if it's not, we don't. And we're a place of miracles, but we also do life together break bread and sit at that dinner table. Yes. To all hours of the night, just enjoying each other's company. Right? We're, listen, there's a few things. I don't believe that church is required for heaven. I don't believe. It's just, you, you can stare your daggers at me if you want, but I don't believe you have to sit in a church building to be saved and make it to heaven. Amen. It might help. But I know this, the church can offer so many things that you can't get on a computer podcast. That you can't get from a televangelist. What? That you can't get in your stereo going down the car. You can, you can do those things. I can worship. I can listen to good preaching. But there's one thing the church offers me. Fellowship of my brothers and sisters. Yes. Doing life together. It's a church where you can actually be part of something. Yes. Listen, we have people that drive an hour and a half to be here because they're hungry to be here through the week. They're hungry to be here on Sundays. And they're hungry to be around family. Yes. And they reach out. I, Scott's invited me two times to go to lunch with them. He lives in past Richmond, Indiana, because they want to be a part of something that's happening, right? We're willing to drive. We just need the invitation, right? So anyway, we do life together. We love, my wife and I love having people over sitting at the dinner table. My my wife and I love to go to dinner with somebody or going into their home. We love it, but everybody else here does too. So we are a family doing life together and actually breaking the barriers. I saw a shirt yesterday that Williamsburg had, and it was a red shirt, and on the back it said, Rethink Church. Love it. What a great slogan. What a great shirt to throw out there. Because we can't do church the same way we've always done it. No Listen, the church has to compete. We don't have to compete, but the enemy's competing with us. Yes. That would give him some victory, right? Yes. But the reality is we have to keep up with times. Amen. Part of that is people want authentic relationships. Covenant. Yes. Not a convenient relationship when it's convenient for me, but a covenant relationship. All right, moving on. Last two. Luke 22. Luke 22, we're going to do 12 through 15. All right. It says that he will show you a large room. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. It says that he will show you a large room furnished in the upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them. And they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Again, we get the breaking of bread. We get the time doing life together. We get the the, the recreational companionship. There's something special about sitting around a dinner table with somebody, just getting to know them. But here's the deeper meaning that I get on that. There's something special about communion with God. There's an intimacy in His presence. There's an intimacy when Jesus is connecting with his disciples, He's connecting here, and there's a presence realm that's happening where we're actually in an encounter, we're pursuing the presence of God. and in that communion, intimacy is where we're transforming the growth to be his sons and ours and be His bride. I preached a message on, on the dinner table in the family um, series we did. He doesn't call us a fiance. He calls or a girlfriend. He calls us his bride. The big difference. Between a fiancé and bride is the gift of intimacy. He's calling us to be a bride. He's calling us to be intimate with Him and to actually know Him on a personal level, covenant level. The other thing that that paints a picture for me is that our needs are met. It said the room was fully furnished. We want this to be a place where your needs are met. If you're thirsty, you're not going to leave thirsty. If you're hungry, you're not going to leave hungry, but you're going to be full of the goodness of God. If you need healing, it's here. If you need deliverance, it's here. If you need salvation, it's here. It's a place where needs are met. We've seen crazy radical, the declaration we did for the tithing, we've seen crazy radical financial blessing in this church. Crazy. With this amount of people, we, we are great givers. You are a giving church. Because you get that the key to prosperity is generosity. We do it. We, we, we give omissions to, to outside these walls. Um, well over 10 to 15% of our income that we bring in, we give out. So, so here we are, we're this giving church, and, and, and the reality is that there's promotions and provisions, and there's these checks showing up in the mail, there's these new careers being paid, when we wouldn't even go there. We've had the people literally get laid off or fired so that they could go elsewhere and get a huge, radical promotion. Walt's well, one of them that just comes to mind? You know, we've had these things, so it's setting up, because here's the deal. Our needs are met, and that just is like heaven. The the Bible references something about heaven, and it says something like, your needs are met before you ever even have a need. It'd be like saying that you never get thirsty because your thirst is quenched before you ever have an opportunity to get thirsty. That's what we really want this place to be. We want a place where needs are met before you really even have a need, because it says in the Bible, His grace is sufficient for everything. Okay, moving on. Last one is the day of Pentecost. And Acts 1.13 through 2.21 just paints this picture. And I'm not going to read from it. I'm just going to kind of tell the story on this one. In Acts 1 and and then it goes into 2. And it talks about the day of Pentecost. So Jesus is, is crucified. He sits in the tomb. He is raised from the dead. And he walks around the earth for 40 days. Then there's 10 more days that go on. Before the day of Pentecost, and he's, he's meeting people, and he's, he's encountered a few people, and he says, you know, go to this upper room, and, I, and he's promising his spirit as a comforter and a God. And he's saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit. So here you have people roughly, now, now some scholars and theologians can debate, but it's roughly 50 days that this takes place, and that's why it's Pentecost, 50. So, so 50 days. So so first thing is, it was a church of faithfulness. It was a church of patience. It was a church of of, of loyalty. When Jesus said, go to the upper room, there was 120 of them that went there and waited faithfully and waited patiently, and they weren't going to turn their back. And I don't know that they were in the upper room the entire time, but for 50 days, they pursued what God had promised. Right? They were diligent. They had a good work ethic. So this is, listen, you don't have to have a ministry you don't have to have a microphone on a pulpit of church to have a ministry. And that's the thing. That's the thing we want to paint here. These people were filled. And I'm going I'm, I'm to back up here in a second. But they were filled. So this happens on the day of Pentecost. So they go there. And then what happens is his spirit falls. It was like a party. Okay? Even afterwards they said, are these people drunk? And then Peter says, no, they're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. They're drunk on a new wine. So it was a place of celebration, a place of joy, a place of fun. That's, that's really what, we're, what we need to be. If we're not having fun with God, why would, it, why would kids be attracted to Jesus if he wasn't fun? Are we attracted to a scary, creepy man? I'm not. Hopefully you're not. Stranger danger. <laughs> creepy man and a panel man. Okay? These kids are attracted to Jesus because he's fun. He's life. He's probably handing out candy and stuff. Who knows what he's doing, you know? But but here's the deal. Jesus attracts the goodness of God. So so here he is, and he pours out his spirit, and and people are speaking in all these tongues, and there's fire. Flames literally sit on every head in that place. It's a radical thing that happens, and it's a fanatical thing that happens. Oh, God, don't call us fanatical. Don't well, be a church that's fanatics. And, and I tell you what, I have friends from all denominations, all churches around the region. Good friends. And anytime you start doing anything in the kingdom, anytime you start progressing, all of a sudden you're called. Yeah. All of a sudden you're fanatical. All of a sudden you're flaky. All of a sudden you know all these things. But I mean, for real, we will have people called fanatical for going out and paying for people's coffee and loving on people yesterday. Yeah. It's true. We will. United Way can do it, but if a church does it, well, they're weird. United Way, can go house to house doing projects and go clean up parks and do these things. But if a church doesn't, now all of a sudden they're weird. Yes. Just like fasting. You can go on a tuna diet, Atkins diet, all these crazy, silly diets. But if you fast for a couple days, now you're weird. Now you're phenomenal. Anyway, so, so we go into this, to this thing. And, 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 and the other thing is, this was a new way of church. This was a new way of life. This was a new way of ministry. Listen, his spirit hadn't been manifested like that ever before. His spirit was here because his spirit helped create the earth, right? That's three in one. But it hadn't manifested like that. So here you have this group of people, but here's the deal. They were a radical bunch of people that actually decided to be family. Listen, we believe in the gifts. We believe in the manifestation. We believe in the power of God. We believe in that. But the point of that was not to consume and stay in the upper room, but so that you could go out. The next series of scriptures in the two says, after that, Peter preached this really long message. Then it suddenly said, then they went out and thousands were added unto them. Thousands were saved. Because they were a church that knew what family was. They were united. They sold everything to come together. They were unified. There was no jealousy or strife there. They were actually a family of godly character. Now suddenly they receive all this because they know how to receive. That's the thing. Sometimes in churches we, we don't know how to receive the God forgiveness of God. It's uncomfortable. It's hard to be loved without asking for anything in return, right? So suddenly you have this church that knows how to receive it, but then they know how to give back. They know how to flow in it. If the musicians can come, we're going to close The Acts Church in that upper room the day of Pentecost was a good demonstration of who the church is supposed to be. It's who the church is supposed to be. You get filled up so that you can leak out. You get filled up. You get encouraged. You, you, you get this pick-me-up. But not that we can compartmentalize and be this person on Sunday and then a totally different person on Monday. But a church that actually is the people. A church that is not made of a building or walls, but a church that is actually the people of God coming together and doing something together about it. Right? To reveal the goodness of God to everyone, everyone. Why don't you stand with me? In the Greek, Many of the times, especially these last two references, the Greek word that God used in the Bible was anageum, okay? And what this really meant was um, it meant a large guest chamber. It was a meeting room that was already prepared to allow people to meet, celebrate, and even lodge there. A lot of times it was it would be maybe a, a meeting room that's in, a, it's in an inn, a hotel. So if you could just picture like a, a giant welcoming conference room that would be in the center of a lodging area like a motel. Hotel. So, so here it is. It's not meant that you just come in, you cycle through, and you cycle back through your sin cycles, and you cycle through dealing with just depression all these things. But Jesus died once and for all so that we don't have to struggle again. He promises life and life abundantly. So, so here's the deal. It was, it was actually meant to be a guest room where you could actually come, feel welcome, feel at home, stay lodge, and be part of a family. So we just, we welcome you today. We welcome you to be part of something foundational that I believe is going to be in the community. A model that's a community needs. Something authentic. Something that's real. Something that says, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you've been. We have, team, we have people on our leadership team that's been divorced. That's been abused. That's been addicts. That's been in jail. has been in prison. has been in all these places. I myself am not a perfect person. But I, and I also worked on my testimony for a really long time. But God. But God saw fit that, that he had a plan to prosper me. Plans of a hope, plans for a future for me. And he's got the same plans for you. So we're just going to play, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. You going to play something? to create the, the mood here. Just kidding. God's bigger than that. So, so anyway, we, just, we invite you today, too. Maybe you've not been part of a church that's like this. Maybe you've not had a family that you can relate to like this. Maybe your own dad rejected you. Maybe your dad left you. Maybe maybe your dad or, or mom abused you. Maybe you had a spouse abuse you. And you don't. I, I tell you what, we had a 17-year-old boy in our home about a year ago, and he had never, ever sat at a dinner table. He had never sat down at a kitchen table. That's sad. We were just talking recently about something else. We want them in our home to see what family's really like. This person doesn't know what family's like, doesn't live with a mom or dad, doesn't live with family, and has no idea what family looks like. And in today's standards, we, we call that person an orphan. But the Bible says, when Jesus says, we're no longer orphans, we're no longer slaves, but we can actually cry out, ah, the Father, because we're children of God, and, and we can cry that, out, which, is, which is an expression to today's term like Daddy. So, so welcome home, church. Welcome home. Welcome to a place of safety, welcome to a place of comfort, welcome to a place of restoration and deliverance, a place of hope, it's who we are, it's who we're going to become, and it's who we're always going to be, a place that is going to experience the goodness of God and a place that's going to experience His goodness so that we can portray that same goodness. I just want to pray with you today and then we're going to celebrate and do some life together and eat some junk food even though we're on a campaign to treat your body like a temple. Makes perfect sense. You see the scales in the bathroom, and you see the sign, do this workout routine, you are the temple, you know, for mind, body, and, and spirit, you know, but uh, let's go eat some cookies and sugar. That, this, is, this is how I roll. <laughs> Nothing about me makes sense. <laughs> I guess fanatical has fit me on every area of my life. I'm just a weirdo. But God calls me peculiar people, right? He calls us peculiar people. All right, let's pray. God, we just thank you for your mercy and grace, God. We thank you that this is a a shelter for the hurting. We thank you that this is a place of hope, a place of life to the dead, God. We thank you that this is a place of freedom and risk, God. That free people will come here, God. Bound people will come here. Bondage will come here, God, but be set free by your spirit. God, we thank you that, that this is a place of joy and happiness and fun, God. We just thank you, God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we can drink and lead, God. It's not about a hype. This is not a pep rally, God. God, we've done so many pep rallies and screamed and yelled and asked for the fire of God to come. But then we leave this meeting and then we're dead again. So, God, I just pray right now for just an overwhelming security in your presence. We pray, Lord, Lord, just for an encounter of your love right now. Your extravagant love come in like a tsunami wave right now in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, that your love, you, you won't counter us this week. We pray for visions and dreams, God. We pray for encounters and visitations, God. Lord, we just thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the cross. And we're going to open up the altar in a minute. And and after after we open that up, we're going to ask the the team to come in a minute just to stand behind them. But if you don't know Jesus as Savior, if you don't know Jesus as Messiah, if you don't know what he did for you on the cross, and you're not covenant with the Father, we we want to just open that invitation to you also if you need healing if you if you've been diagnosed with a disease or or if you have any pain in your body we have seen so many radical healings in this place over the last few months we've seen tumors literally dissolve as we're laying hands and praying we've seen backs from spondylosis or what is that called scoliosis i was mixing two things awesome scoliosis just straighten up and pop into place We've seen wrists straighten. we've seen legs grow, we've seen backs heal. we've seen all kinds of cool things. The coolest thing, though, is love on the cross and salvation. So if you're experiencing any of that, we just want to open up the altar to you uh, here in just a moment. Everybody else, we're going to dismiss you in just a second. We going to turn over some lights. And uh, we want to encourage you. We're going to open up these doors and just stay as long as you want. Get to know one another. Church. We say we're a friendly church. We say we're a church of joy. We say we're a church of celebration. Then let's be it. Man. Let's be it. So get to know somebody you don't know. Maybe you haven't seen somebody here in a while. You see them here today. Why don't you get to know them? Um, but anyway, you guys are amazing. You're God's happy God. And He is so pleased with you. He'll change you, He will radically encounter you and transform you so you can transform the nations. So let's be a culture of family transformed by God's presence. Equipped to live kingdom lifestyle, sharing God's love and goodness. So that we can reveal the goodness of God to everyone, everywhere. If you want prayer, you can come up. Everybody else, you're dismissed. But enjoy the, the punch and cookies. And just have fun, good life for, for as long as you want. Get to know somebody, though. We're not a church that rushes out and tries to be the person out of parking lot. We have enough parking and the that at a door. All right? Have fun. Enjoy your week. We love you so much.